looking at completing his work, God uh, and his creation. And I, I think that the importance of this picture is that it particularly um, raises the question of our relationship with the material world. Remember, we started uh, the weekend a little bit on, on the question of how do we fill in the gap, the 2,000 years, or for us, the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 90 years of living in the material world. If, if Christianity is all about uh, believing in Jesus uh, and being saved and going to heaven, then what on earth is earth about? I'm sure we've wondered on that. Uh, of course, the Christian faith is not just about believing in Jesus and going to heaven. That's a character with a number of problems to it, actually, because it really does affect our relationship to the physical world in which we are. So let's, for a few moments, think about this. And one way of looking at this is actually contrasting the Christian faith with other faith systems. Now, we run a a Thursday drop-in cafe and and a a couple of regular people, but one person in particular who comes along is a new ager and is essentially a pantheist. Uh, Anyone had a lot to do with pantheism? Panthe- was pantheism? Somebody give me a quick definition. Yeah, God is everywhere, or, or rather God is everything. Everything is God. It's not so much omnipresence, it's the chair is part of God. The floor is, the trees are part, we're all part of God. Uh, and so ultimately, if you ask such a person, well, what's the future for you? The, the, the answer is to just be absorbed back into the divine. In other words, just to sort of disappear back into, we are a bit of God, and in the end, we all go back into the grand unity. There is no personal future. In in fact, there is no true personhood in that way of thinking. Uh, And a lot of New Ages, if you dig underneath, that's their kind of expectation. Now, polytheism, we are perhaps not so familiar with polytheism. Uh, That's the the belief in, in many gods, Uh, A lot of it, well, Greek mythology would typify a a lot of that. And and some of the thinking uh, within that is the splitting apart of the material world uh, from the spirit world. And there was a form of thinking that developed out of this uh, called Gnosticism, where the idea is that that, that some of us, not all but some, are really spirits trapped in bodies, Uh, And that when you die, your spirit escapes from the prison of your body and you you return to being a spirit again. Uh, Clearly, the the, the idea is a two-level world and we're part of the lower world and there's the world of the gods. And an aspiration is to, to become, you could say, gods or... I mean, Hollywood typifies this with the concept that when you die, you become an angel, isn't it? It's what most of our children and youngsters, if they've got anything hidden away with terms of death, when somebody dies, the hope of them becoming an angel. Am I wrong? Is that not some of the common... And and it's called Christianity by some people. (laughs) Because some of us as Christians have got that idea that when we die, we go up into the clouds. Now, you can see where there's a bit of a misunderstanding developed, has developed. 
in Christian thinking. Atheism, of course, uh, various forms of it, there is no future. Or when you, you die, you're just material. And when you die, you're reabsorbed into the material of the earth. There is nothing left. Uh, we understand that. The Christian Christianity has, has a profound difference from a Judeo-Christian background too. And as we've seen, seen already, we were created to reflect God. And although we are not eternal, we had a created beginning, we have, now this is where there's a theological debate, but we have the potential to be eternal or we are eternal. And I won't get into that debate, but uh, you get what I mean. That we, we, we were made to reflect this aspect of God is that we are not just material. We are spirit, soul, body, unity together in that. But we, we have both a spirit and a physical the question of the physical is quite crucial, uh, and as we think about it, we realize that God took great delight in making the material world. I'm flipping slightly, thinking about destiny. Now we're thinking about origin. When God made us, uh, Genesis chapter 1 just labors the point, doesn't it? And it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was very good. And what's he talking about? The material world. So that flies in the face of Gnostic kind of thinking that says the material is bad, spirit is good. The Bible says no, material is good. Physicality is something that God created. And then, incredibly, God becomes human. Now, if, if to be physical is somehow to be dirty or evil, then God could never have become human. We have sometimes a latent sense that physicality is somehow a little bit shameful or dirty or, I don't know, maybe it's my particular Christian background, but I was brought up with that sense that to be physical is somehow to be sub-God. No, he made it good and he became human. So God, I don't know, I was going to use the word... was, was, was willing to become, I was going to use the word delighted to become human, um, and I don't know, you may want to reflect on that. Uh, how do you see God? God made humani- humanness with the intention of becoming human. Have you thought about that? The willingness. God knew what he was doing when he made the body of Adam, knowing that he would one day become Human, incredible to think about just how much the, the physicality of what it is to be human is God-ordained. And then, of course, the, the physical resurrection of Jesus. It was, it was intentionally, I mean, it's labored in the New Testament. When he rose from the dead, he rose with a physical body. It's labored in the Gospels. And Paul writes 1 Corinthians 15, not to prove the resurrection, actually, if you read it carefully. 1 Corinthians 15 is to, to prove the physical resurrection, a real body, and yet a different body, and not a body like ours, but a body nonetheless. And so we, we actually believe in something called the eternal humanity of Christ. That is, when Jesus went back to heaven, he didn't cease to be human. 
which means in heaven at the moment, in, in the realm where God is, outside time and eternity, there is one, only one fully human person there at the moment, and that is the Son, Christ. When he returns, as we read or we quoted from John, we will be like him. And that means we will be given, and that's what we're all looking forward to, aren't we? The physical resurrection. Now, all of this has massive implications. And its major implication, as Revelation 21, 22 demonstrates very, very clearly, that God is not going to take us to heaven. But God is going to place us in the new creation, a new world, which will be physical. Now, Stop. I cannot answer the question of <laughs> what that will look like. And that's where I will quote 1 Corinthians 2, wrongly, 9. Uh, I have no idea. Well, Revelation 21, 22 just gives some attempt at painting a picture of what that will be like. But what we do know is we will be like him, and that is Christ, and that is in his new body, and it has some dimension of physicality to it because that's what was evidenced in the Gospels. Uh, that's as far as I can go in understanding what it's like. But what, why all of this is so important is that it really challenges us, I think, as to uh, this, this relationship with the material, with the physical, with creation itself. I, I know we often talk about the way that you know, God rested on the, se- on the seventh day as if the work of creation was completed. But there's another sense in which the work of creation is still ongoing. There was a fall, and we know the impact of the fall. And so that's why we get termin- terminology uh, like we didn't read it, but we may want to look at it now because it's also, it can be read into this context of Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 19 to 20, of reconciling all things to himself. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in the Son and through him to reconcile all the things to himself by making peace through the blood of the cross through him, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Uh, and there are, there are two or three different terms that we can use. I've used, oh, well, four actually, perfecting creation. There's a sense in which this work of creation has not yet reached its ultimate. It, it involves some kind of reconciliation through Christ. It involves recreation. Revelation 21:22 uses the term new heavens and a new earth. Uh, But theologians are still struggling to decide, is God going to burn up, completely obliterate the whole universe of time and space and start again? Uh, Or is, and, and the biblical concept of redemption would actually say no. Because redemption is actually not about blasting into oblivion and starting again. Redemption is about restoring something to its original purpose or design. So we're left with a certain degree of mystery as to how God or or what's the connection between this creation and the new creation. What Revelation 21, 22 clearly says is there is a connection. If you read it carefully, 
It uses the language of our current creation. And it even talks about things like and the, and the glory and the riches and the glory of the nations will be taken into that new creation. Now, I've no idea exactly what is meant by that. But there are just, so, so the challenge is um, very much on, on, on how we relate to the world in which we're living. So what this picture, to, to summarize it, and we're, we're going to head into groups and think a bit about what the implications are of this picture. This is the picture of God creating. And it's seeing that the, the way the, the God making a material world with material beings like ourselves is, is part of his purpose. And he knew that we were going to fall. And he knew what he would have to do to reconcile and restore all of this. But we are still in the process. You know those t-shirts that sometimes people, what, is it, what does it say, sort of? No, the one about uh, be patient with me because God hasn't finished yet uh, kind of statement. But you could put that over the whole world. Uh, There is a very powerful passage. Um, Let's just read it because I think to me this just really pulls it together. Or you could say, where did you get this idea from? Well, Romans chapter 8 verse 18. Let's just read uh, these words. I'm just going to reconfigure our, our just timing. We started at half past, quarter past, 20 past, and where the session is to finish at 12.30. Right, okay, that's good. Um, l- let's read this. I'll read this passage just in the light of what I've just said. Seeing here a process uh, that... That the creation, the creating work that God did in Genesis 1 and 2, which was damaged in Genesis 3, is, is the first stage in an ongoing process. So this is not denying that on the seventh day God rested. He had completed first stage. So he rested. Uh, that's to teach us how to work and rest, etc. And so forth. He set a pattern. But but here here we get a sense of actually that creating work is still ongoing and we're in mid process here and we're heading to the creation finished uh, in Revelation twenty one, twenty two. For I consider verse eighteen that our present sufferings, so this is Genesis three, post Genesis three fallen humanity, fallen world. For I consider that our present sufferings cannot even be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. For the creation, interesting, eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it in hope. So let's take that bit out. Uh, Let's read the sentence. For creation was subjected to futility in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers together until now. And not only this, but we ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption 
the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. but Because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly await it with endurance. Now, lots of complicated words and concepts in there. But can you see what's happening here? Creation and us are separated. Creation was frustrated by whom? By us, by our choices. And God caused or allowed the effects of human sin to frustrate the development of what he had created. But creation is eagerly waiting for something. That's not us. This is creation waiting for something. What it's waiting for? What is it waiting for? Did you follow that? Creation is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Now, excuse the sons bit, but again, it's this cultural concept of those who will inherit. And it includes men and women together. It clearly is a picture of us. The true image of God. Creation is waiting until it, along with us, will enjoy what God had intended as the end process. Could, could you follow that through? Now, I, I don't fully know what that means, but an implication of that is the material world in which we live is an integral part of God's purposes. It is not a throwaway, disposable, single-use item. Now, you're following my words. They're carefully chosen because we're getting very sensitive, rightly so, to the problem of single-use plastics and all the rest. And we know how humanity has this propensity towards use and abuse, use and dispose. And it is not a reflection of the character of God or the processes of God. Why would we think that God would make this material world just to blast it into oblivion and start again? Where do we get that idea from? Judgment and purification, that's a different concept. But that is of that which is evil, but clearly creation is not itself evil. It's been frustrated by us. The evil is in us, not in the material world. Now, these maybe are slightly deeper things to think through, but I want us just to get to the, 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 in a sense, the point, which is that God has been making, is making, is continuing to make an environment in which we can live in harmony with him and enjoy a relationship with him forever. And one of the very first things he told us as human beings is to care for, manage the world's in which he placed us. And it still stands as part of his purposes. Now, I won't say any more. I think it will split into groups and take at least 15 minutes uh, on... I think I now need to hand out... Uh, got them there. Thanks. Yes. A feedback time in terms of getting each group to share. Uh, though, as I said before, if there's any question or comment somebody wants to make, then... We'll make them. Uh, we have another a roving mic as well as, as the sessions are being recorded, so your comments and questions can, can be fed into that too.
Uh, as you're the only people here, you, you have precedent if you want to say or question as the others, as the others come in. Um, the, the, the slides, uh, there's a lot more o on your handout uh, than I've actually covered and I'm not going to uh, cover, but I'll put one or two of those things up while we wait for the others uh, to come in. But in, in some of your discussions, I'm sure, uh, you see that what this understanding, uh, what this picture or concept of the purposes of God does is, is it sanctifies the common life as these are, I, I suppose, theological terms or terms that people have coined over the years. Um, the, the idea of sacraments. Most of us, I'm sure, have come across the term sacraments in some sense. I mean, at the very least, baptism, water, the use of water in baptism, and the use of bread and wine or uh, grape juice, whatever you use in communion. Um, those are sacraments. Sacraments is, is where you, you utilize a physical and recognize that it has a a spirit or sacred element to it, and it's where the the physical and the the physical and the spiritual connect sacraments. Now we could have a debate about sacraments and the different sacraments of the church or churches and so forth. But you get you get the point. What this understanding says is the physical and the spiritual should not actually be pulled apart to the degree that we do. Now, there is a difference between the physical and the spiritual, but they should not be separated as if one is good and one is bad, and that is a serious problem in our thinking. So it, it, it actually teaches us that, that we are not called as the children of God to detach from the material world. We're called to engage it's what Jesus said about living in this world. You are not of this world, but I send you as it were to live in the world. But you're not of this world, but you are in the world. And I want you to engage with the world in his famous John 17 prayer. Uh, and um, uh, one of the other slides there. What this leads us to realize is that the stuff of daily life is part of God's purpose. So the, the, the lifelong, I was going to say grind of family life, but certainly lifelong grind of work, <laughs> it sanctifies work. Now, I know in an exploitative, capitalist-driven, market-driven world, <laughs> that's pretty tough, very tough. Uh, but work itself is part of the mission of God. And then the whole engagement with the stuff of running this world is part and parcel of the work of God. And now within this, we begin to see vocation. What is your calling? What part do you play? But it is an important part in an important thing. That's the crucial thing. Whatever part it is, it's an important part in an important thing. Any any question or comment? Because uh, I don't want to undo some of your discussions. I, so I was listening in. Uh, were good. Um, anything of crucial uh, or thing to be raised? Not necessarily to be answered. 
otherwise come up and and, and have a chat uh, as 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 we conclude uh, there. But that just therefore, God is still doing His work, and we're part of what He's still doing, uh, and we are working out our relationship with this material world, and we're as church somehow to engage with this. We are meant to engage with the community in which we live, not just to save souls. This is, I'm not in any sense de-emphasizing the saving of souls, uh, but there is a purpose in running a toddler's group in your community, even if nobody gets saved. How many times I've heard churches, we need to close the toddler's group down because we've never seen anyone saved. Doing that service in the community is, part of the purposes of God, if it's within your constraints. Only if it's getting in the way of people being saved, then fair enough. If you've got activities that are getting in the way of people coming to faith in Christ, then definitely <laughs> question them. But if, if they're, we say neutral and they're serving the community, then that is part of the purposes of God. Valid. Uh, so some of these questions are, are worth tugging through. Let's let's spend our time in worship. Do you want Trish or just hand straight to the music team as they come up? Let's.